Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Because you were, how long were you in HR for? Uh, 28 years. And then you started your company now. Yeah. Arc, Arc Labs, or what's the full? Arc Point Labs. Yeah. Arc, Arc Point Labs. Mm-hmm. What made you take that jump? Because you're in something for 28 years. You were the director yeah. of human resources for a company Mm -hmm. what was that mind switch like going from something that was someone else's to now building your own yeah great question so i'll try to tackle that in a couple of different ways Um, (laughs) first the first part of that question was about like why did i do it and for me it's always about family you know every decision that i make is usually about my family and in this particular vein, it was all about establishing a legacy of entrepreneurship in my family. You know, when I was younger, I always had thoughts that I wanted to be in the business world or have my own business, but I didn't have anybody in my immediate circle who had done that. You know, I have, you know, a grandfather who, you know, uh, drove his own cab. I have, you know, a distant uncle or a close uncle who, um, a family friend, really, but kind of an uncle to me who had yeah, his yeah. own food store, you know, uh, for a little while, you know, things like that. But, but not, not to a point when I was in my formative years, high school, college, where I can say, I want to learn from you how you built your business. You know, I didn't have that. So for my kids, you know, they've seen myself and my wife, you know, work for somebody else for, for all of their lives. But I wanted them to see that it's possible to do something else and they can actually build on their own. So that was the, the primary reason. The secondary reason was really about my own career, you know, um, bless you, um, 28 years doing HR, you know, it, you know, at some point I was on autopilot, you know, it was a situation where I was doing well in my, in my, the different jobs that I've held and worked for some really great companies, had some great experiences, you know, traveled globally and things of that nature, but it still, it just wasn't fulfilling anymore. Um, and <clears throat> I knew that I could do it for the rest of my career, but I felt like I'm still young, still healthy, mm. you know, maybe it's time for me to, to branch out on my own. Um, so, you know, friends and mentors of mine kind of told me, well, you know, with all this HR experience, maybe you should, you know, become an HR consultant, have your own agency. And, you know, I thought about that I actually, you know, studied to become an executive coach and all that good stuff, but it just didn't feel different enough for me. Um, so I started to go down the, the franchise route. And this one really spoke to me because of the toxicology side of the side of the business, which is B2B selling to other HR folks like myself, you know, who need, you know, who are trying to maintain a drug-free workplace and need to put all of the elements in place, testing, policy development, things like that, supervisor training, you know, things that, that are in my wheelhouse, you know. Um, but then the other side of the business is clinical. And that's where my wife shines. You know, she's a nurse practitioner by trade. So I knew that even though she's maintaining her full-time job, she was going to be a tremendous help as I figure out the clinical side of the business and what niche we want to play in. So, and that has come to fruition. She's been fantastic. Um, You know, 
even <laughs> setting aside her job, you know, on a part-time basis during that first year. And then, and then now kind of sharing her time with us when she can, which, which has been just amazing. So, um, so yeah, so I think there's a couple of reasons why I did it, but then the psychological shift is the next part, right? So for me, as an HR person, I've never done any kind of business development, any kind of sales. Yeah. I actually shied away from it. I supported salespeople and I would always shake my head and just kind of wonder, like, how do you guys do it? How do you stay motivated? How do you, when somebody tells you no, do you just curl up in a corner and, and, and <laughs> because that, feel, that's, that feels like what I would do. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, taking away that, that consistent, steady income. Um, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. So, you know, the, the, the idea of trying to sell something to someone who doesn't know me scares me, right? Um, but now on the other side of it, being, being in business development and building my business for myself, it's really about turning that into just relationship building, which is easier for me to take. You know, you meet somebody, you, you, you learn about what they do, you know, they start talking about their pain points and what they would change. And then you offer a solution, you know, that, that feels less stressful to me now that I know what it is, um, as opposed to, I have a widget that I'm trying to sell you, mm. you know? Um, but it is a psychological shift. It is is going from the corporate steady world where I knew what my paycheck was going to be every two weeks. I knew that I was going to get a bonus <laughs> if we worked for a good company that was doing well, you know, all those kinds of things. But um, there is a certain excitement that I do feel every day, even with the nervousness and the anxiety. You know, it gets me up every day to say, you know what, I have an opportunity to really build this thing. It's a unique thing. I'm kind of in the same boat after being a nonprofit and, you know, being in Nicaragua, then Amazon, then coming here. Yeah. I never was one of those kids that was selling baseball cards right. on the playground or anything. So I'm the same way yeah. where I never thought I'd be doing this ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm doing it, it's like you said, you have that freedom. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. I mean, there's the meme where you work nine to five for someone else. Then you start work, start working 24 hours for yourself. Yeah, that's true. It is true. But it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel forced. You know, it feels like your mind as an entrepreneur really does, it never turns off. There's because you're trying to e either improve your services, um, help your staff, um, meet new people, networking, all those things can take up your entire week, you know? Yeah. And I think part of the challenges and the excitement is figuring out how to do those things and do them well but still maintain some, some level of sanity, right? You know, because you have to take time for yourself too. I mean, cause you yeah. can literally drive yourself crazy working for Especially yourself. Especially if you have a family like yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they deserve my time too. And, and um, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's just, you know, making sure that I'm not, you know, falling down in any responsibility at home. You know, my yeah. son plays competitive soccer so to get him to practice, you know, one day a week <laughs> while my wife does the other two days a week, it's, it's something that I want to do and continue to do, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a future focused mindset that says, you know, a new business, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it, you know, and it's by far the hardest thing I've ever done professionally. Um, but I'm enjoying the process and, uh, feel really comfortable about the vision and where we're headed. What's the most difficult part of it so far for you? Oh, gosh, um, just finding balance, 
just finding balance. You know, we, we talked earlier in the conversation about, um, you know, calendarizing the things that are important, but how do you do that when everything is important? <laughs> you know, so whether it be the administrative part of the job, the marketing part of the job, the human resources part of the job, whatever it might be, everything deserves your attention, but you've got to be planful about how you do it and how you prioritize. What's important at that moment, you know, right now, you know, I got a letter in the mail yesterday, for example, um, um, and it's, it's a tax matter. It's not a bad thing. It's just one of those, um, you know, we need to submit our quarterly, you know, unemployment tax reports, right? And the, the pay, payroll company that I use, um, I'm not sure that they did that. So I, I'm now having to spend some time making sure that they do that and follow yeah. through on it which, you know, might take me an hour out of my day that I didn't plan on yesterday, <laughs> you know, so, but that deserves my attention right, right then to make sure that I don't let that sit in case there is something I need to file or, or what have you, you know, um, but it's little things like that, that most people will never see that occupies your time, but psychologically, it's just such a, it's such a challenge to find balance and find time for everything that, that is really on your plate. Yeah. What's been the easiest thing for you too, like inversely where, because mm. I mean, you spent 28, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be something with dealing with people. If you're spending 28 years. Yeah. Yeah. Job. Well, here's a, here's a funny thing. So I would say that that comes naturally, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the easiest. Okay. Okay. That's a good distinction. So, I like that. Yeah. So I think, you know, what comes naturally is, is defining what jobs you need to fill, you know, writing the job description, the requirements and all those kinds of things, and then finding a service, you know, where if you want to go, you know, uh, the the temporary agency route or direct hire is finding the right company to work with that, you know, will source the right candidates for you. Yeah. All those things are in my wheelhouse. I've done it for years. Um, but the funniest part of that, Andrew, is, <laughs> is kind of hearing my own words in my ear. Right. So I spent 28 years supporting other people and telling them, hey, to move your organization forward, here's what you need to do. Or you're giving that person too much grace, too many chances. They're an attendance issue. You need to cut your losses, you know, and start the process of progressive discipline. Right. And for me, I've got a small team and each person that we've hired has become family. You know, so if somebody has an attendance issue, am I going to give them a little bit more grace because I know their current situation? Or am I, am I going to be, you know, you got a, you know, letter of the law because now you're setting an example for the rest of the team to follow. So, so it comes natural to me, but it's not easy. So what would be the easiest then if you had one or is there not one? I don't think there is one. I really don't. I, mean, <laughs> I think honestly, everything seems really, you know, it's, it's challenging me to think differently. Um, I, I think, you know, some of the networking has become easier. Um, just in terms of what to do when you meet someone and, and yeah. uh, how you can help someone before they can help you, that kind of thing. And um, I, I couldn't tell you, Andrew, like, what do I think is easy? Oh, you know what? Here's what's easy. Processing payroll. How about that? <laughs> 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 I get what you mean, though. I mean, there are things that come. There's certain things that like when it comes just to talking to people, I feel like that mm -hmm. comes easiest to me mm -hmm. when I'm in like those networking things. Yep. Um, but there's so many things that I know I can do and I do them well, but like, I like that distinction you made that it's not necessarily the easiest. It's just, we know how to do it. Right. Right. I wouldn't have guessed you were an introvert though, from all the times we met at the chamber and all these other things. 
Well, I appreciate that. You know, we, we you know, what's funny is we, we did um, have a conversation at the chamber, a group conversation about, about the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. And, and I believe the comment that I made to someone and, and it made a lot of sense to them and you know, something I continue to stick in my mind is for an extrovert, a networking meeting um, feeds, their, it feeds their energy. They get energized from the interactions. You know, afterwards, an extrovert will take those business cards and immediately follow up and they can't wait for the next one, right? The introvert, it takes so much energy for an introvert to be in that room. You know, they may, to your point, they may come across well. Um, they may be actually enjoying the meeting, but it's still draining their energy. So when they yeah. leave that meeting, they need they they need about 10 minutes just to <laughs> come back to center. <laughs> and that's you? It is me, 100 percent I get so excited. Like if it's a good day at the chamber, I walk out of there and I am like filled with energy. I feel like I could run a mile. Yeah. See, that's that's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. Like that's an extrovert in my mind. Like there's a yeah. lot of definitions, of course, and a lot that goes into it, but yeah. that's how I would process it. You know, when I leave the chamber meeting or, or leave a BNI meeting. Um, it takes me a minute, you know, I'm usually like, okay, that's done. I need to move on to my next thing, you know? Yeah. But that's good too. One of the things I've been trying to do in between calls, because sometimes I personally will let emotions and my feelings and the momentum of my day control things mm -hmm. because I'm so much like boom, boom, boom. Like I'm trying to do things quickly sometimes Yeah. with one of the coaches that I work with he was like after every call after everything that you finish take a sit you breathe in you let a big breath out just sit there for like five seconds and then move on like let mm -hmm. whatever happened whether it's good or bad let it sit there and just keep moving on without it yeah that has been <laughs> tremendously helpful I like for the that. good times and the bad times I like that a lot and then, so you were mentioning earlier when you were making the switch from HR into um, the franchise, that, the business that you opened up, mm -hmm. you talked to like mentors and all this. So who, what kind of people did you go for, for your mentors? How did you find them? What do you like, do, are you still working with anyone now? Because mm -hmm. that's a lot to kind of navigate on your own to, to kind of the, yeah, I think it is. Um, and, I, and I share this with with younger folks, younger professionals all the time is, you know, not thinking of the whole mentor relationship in such a formal way. Um, I have obviously been part of corporate 500, Fortune 500 organizations that had formal mentoring programs and you had matching and, you know, you're going to match this senior professional with this younger professional and off you go, right? And here's <laughs> some suggested topics to talk about and you know, and make sure that you do it because it's a year long program. And then we got to switch people out, you know, that kind of thing. But for me, these end up being kind of lifelong friendships. Yeah. Um, I've had mentors who were my former managers, right? People that used to, that I used to report to and no, and no longer do, but we've maintained a relationship. Um, they still, I would still consider them to be champions for my career. You know, those are people that even after I left the company that we worked with together, I would yeah. call them and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about taking this opportunity with XYZ company. What do you think? And I know that that person would give me honest feedback. And I know that it'll come from a place where that person saw me every day for five years or whatever the case might be, you know, um, and they know how I work and what kind of environment that I would thrive in. 
others are our friends. You know, some are fraternity brothers that, that I've known since I was 18 years old, you know, and they were just a few years older than me, but the, I always looked at them as, as an older brother and they always had my best interest. Um, some of them are HR people or just business people, you know, so I've kind of maintained those friendships as well. Um, and folks who have really gotten to know me, the individual and my family and folks like that. So, yeah. you know, so I think, you know, the whole mentor idea for a lot of younger professionals is, is don't think so myopically about, you know, it has to be somebody that is formally chosen for me. You know, if there's somebody that you respect, but make sure you choose someone who's not like you, <laughs> you know, mm. um, I think that's an important distinction. Um, I think a lot of times people kind of gravitate towards people that they, you know, they come from the same part of the country, uh, similar family backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. And I've always learned the most from people who are not like me, you know, so in, in my example, the folks that are non-fraternity members of mine um, are, are those people. You know, I have a mentor who's a woman, I have a mentor who's a white male, I have a mentor, you know, it's, it's just kind of all over the place. And, and I love that because I get so many different perspectives. Yeah, and then they're going to be able to call you out on some BS too, if it comes oh, yeah. down to it, because they're going to see it because you sometimes we get our blinders on and mm -hmm. it's easy for them right. to see that and say, nope. That's right. That's interesting. What what's one of the other best pieces of advice that you give or that you've gotten? Because it seems like you've been a mentor to other people as well. I have, I have, um, and I don't know that would that I would call myself their mentor, but you know, there are folks that have either worked for me or people that I've worked with that I'll hear from from time to time and say, "Hey, Monty, let me get your thoughts on something." Like, yep, no problem, you know. But that's what I mean by informal mentorships. It's just you know, surrounding yourself with people that you can get perspective or get insight from um, to help you maybe either better form an opinion or to you know influence your direction of where you may be headed. Um, so what was your question? I'm sorry, it was um, like, what, what other advice have I given people, right? Yeah, or what, like if you had someone that was going to decide if they're gonna work for someone else or maybe open up their own, Yeah. what sort of advice would you give them to get into that mindset? And then let's say if they were, go I would, let's start there first. Well, <clears throat> so I would give you the piece of advice that I've given over and over again, um, regardless if it is going from, you know, working for someone to entrepreneurship or just going from one job to another or one company to another. Okay. So, and that advice basically is to make sure that whatever opportunity you are considering, make sure that you're running to that opportunity and not away from your current opportunity. Okay. Here's, here's why that's important. Mm. When you run, when you run away from an opportunity, your next opportunity is going to be temporary just by definition, because you, you're now establishing yourself in a pattern where just because you don't like your boss, just because you don't like, you know, the attendance policy, just because you don't like whatever, now let me go find greener pastures somewhere else. Yeah. Guess what? At some point, you're not going to like that place either. Right. <laughs> so now, now you're, now you're just going to continue that whole process. But when you, when you find something and you're that engaged with it and you're running to it, that's more lasting because you have, you have your why, you establish your why in terms of why you're making that change. Um, yes, as, as an entrepreneur, I've had difficult days, but my why has not changed, which is why I get up in the morning every day and can continue to do what I do. Um, 
But if it was a temporary scenario where I just, oh, I can't stand corporate America, then this is going to be fleeting. That's not what this is about. I had tough days in corporate America too, but I also had some great times. I had some great opportunities and, and worked for some great people. But now it's really about what am I running to? What is the opportunity that's opportunity that is in front of me? And that's that's the advice I've given people, and I continue to live by it as well. I love that. But if you, I'm thinking of someone specific. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes tends to do this. They jump from thing to thing to thing to thing. Yeah. And a lot of the time is because they don't like the situation they're in. It's always that you know the grass is green on the other on the other side. Sure. What would you say to someone that? maybe doesn't fully realize that they're in that repetitive process of running away from something they truly maybe they truly think they're running towards an opportunity or towards what they think they might but i think i think in a situation like that where it's happened multiple times that individual really has to take stock of the decision making process right like why why did you leave the first time and where did you go and then you know what were your expectations walking into that new scenario and then 60 days into it, were those expectations met? If not, and that's a repeatable thing, then you got to check yourself. You got to look in the mirror to kind of say, what, what's really important for me um, or what's important to me? And, and, and just kind of stick with that. You know, you know, we don't live in a society anymore where anybody expects you to work for any particular company for 30 years. It just doesn't <laughs> really exist anymore. Um, the loyalty is not there either way. You know, so you got to really kind of feel like I've landed in a place where I feel valued. I feel respected. Um, I'm paid what I feel like I'm worth. Um, you know, it works for me and my family. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things that goes into it. But just not jumping forward because of a new title or because somebody wants to pay you 10, 15 percent more than you're making today. All that sounds great. But after taxes, you kind of feel like that really wasn't all that worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, making sure that you're making decisions for the right reasons and, and based on what's important to you. And if you don't know what's important to you yet, then it's time to just probably sit still until you, until you figure that out. I like that. And I like the way you worded it too. Make sure you're running towards the new opportunity and not from your current. That's yeah. going to be one of my posts okay. somewhere. I'm going to use that. I'll make sure to tag you, but. Absolutely. Um... <laughs> it's, it's free to use. It's free to use. <laughs> what? I'm sure when you were starting this though, too, there were a number of things that came up that you didn't expect. Like what was one of those big things? You're like, oh man, I didn't expect this. Maybe it was the networking, maybe sort of, that was one of my biggest things. I guess I didn't realize how important the networking really was. Yeah. When I, yeah, I would would say um, I'll, I'll use that in terms of networking. I think for me early on, because I didn't know any better, I would go to, I would get invited to, you know, some meeting and I would attend it and I'd go, oh, okay, I'm lukewarm on it. Don't know, don't know that I'll be back. Mm. And then it dawned on me, I don't know, it's probably somebody, actually it's some, it is something that someone shared with me is that when you have a networking group, things don't really start happening until someone knows you by your first name. You know, when you walk into a room, it's like, hey, Monty, hey, Karen, hey, Monty, hey, John, you know, that kind of thing. And people actually really know what you do, because at the end of the day, networking is, is, is about building your own kind of quasi sales team. You know, Andrew, <laughs> yeah. you know what I do. 
So if it comes up in conversations with you and another company where they're they just blurt out, hey, I'm not sure what we're doing with our with our, you know, uh, with our safety program, you know, and testing for our employees. And, and you know, it goes off in your head like, you know, I, I know somebody that could probably, you know, help you with that. Um, and the same thing for me, you know, the more people I meet, it's just amazing, like the conversations that you get in either with a neighbor or, you know, or somebody in the community where they're looking for something. I mean, it's, it's so common these days where yeah. my, my friend group, you know, sends a message and says, you know, does anybody know a good attorney, you know, that can help me out with X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah, I actually do. <laughs> you know, um, I have this whole group of people that I didn't know a year or two ago that are on, that are in so many different places. I know, you know, people who are, uh, you know, videographers. I know people who are um, attorneys, as I mentioned, people who are functional medicine doctors that, you know, depending on the situation, you know, somebody can ask me if I know someone who, that I, that would, I would recommend nine times, a ten, nine times out of 10, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And so, it's a good feeling when you're able to be that connector too. Right. Right. Absolutely. The best way that sold, I shouldn't say sold me, but got me convinced into like, I'm in a, one of those weekly by, you know, networking things as well. Mm -hmm. Every week we meet up and I was very hesitant. I was like, why am I going to sign up with these people? It's like, you're not trying to sell people in the room. Right. You're teaching them how to sell for you. Correct. Correct. You want them to be at that barbecue. And when, they, when someone says something, they're like, Andrew mentioned that last week. Mm -hmm. And then you can be like, Hey, yeah. And, and make the um, introduction and be intentional about it, you know? Yeah, that's 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 always the tough part. It is when it because comes to you can you can you can meet someone who has a need and you and I'd be I might be thinking of you, Andrew, but if I go, I'll get to that tomorrow. Then it probably yeah. won't happen. You know, I'll forget about it for weeks and it might have been a great opportunity for you. But if I yeah. if I take a second and just write down that this person I was just speaking with need services that Andrew provides, yeah. I'm going to make that connection right away. I'm going to ask permission first to say, hey, can I make an email introduction between my friend Andrew and yourself? Because I think he has some services that you can use. They're going to say, yes, I make the introduction by email and then I leave it alone and just say, okay, it's between you guys now. But at least I was intentional about doing it um, because you never know where that opportunity could lead. That could be a very small project that leads to a much larger one. You know. Yeah. So. And then being in the space that you're in, when you're in these networking groups too, trying to teach everyone what you do, what's like the biggest type of like myth or misconception you think that people think about like your business? Like, oh, he just does yeah. drug testing or whatever. Like what's the biggest thing you wish people are like? like yeah, um, I really do. I've said this to people before. Um, you know, when, when you hear the, the, the term or the, the, the company name ArcPoint Labs, you know, you think laboratories and mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but most people think of a laboratory as some large white rectangular building where you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> the <laughs> white code I mean? like, like something out of a movie, the white lab code. <laughs> right, right. Like, what are they testing? Like, seriously, what's happening in there? Um, but for us, you know, we've been really successful, especially in, in networking groups, inviting people to come and take a look at our lab. Come take a quick tour. It's only 1500 square feet. You know, it's nothing intimidating. But you'll realize when you walk in that we are basically a clinic. We have patient rooms. We have a waiting room. You know, we have we have the things that you would typically see in a, in a small you know doctor's office. You know, 
Um, and each room is kind of dedicated to one particular task. And one might be dedicated to drug testing for employers. The next one might be, you know, has our, um, our blood draw chair, our phlebotomy chair, because we do all kinds of blood work. Um, we have a COVID testing room, all those kinds of things. So I think for us, you know, my job is truly just to describe who we are and what we can offer in as, you know, short a period of time as possible, knowing yeah. that we have 10,000 different tests that we offer. So I can't, in a 30 second spiel, I can't tell you everything that we do, but I can give you an idea. Interesting. Do you guys do things as like flu shots and all that or two, or is it strictly just the, we, the take we did the blood offer, and testing it? We did offer COVID shots last year. We, we, we worked um, with Moderna. Um, and I think, you know, we were hired to do, and I wouldn't say hired because, you know, the shots are free, but it was more of kind of a, it was a twofold purpose for us to get involved with vaccination. Number one was, you know, obviously helping the community, um, but also, you know, being in a position where we can cross sell. So if somebody came into our, you know, into our lab um, for, for an appointment for a COVID shot, they're going to walk in and see all of our different posters that, that advertise all of our different services. So as they, as they're coming in, they're, they're actually walking in with, I'm here for a COVID shot and leaving with, you know what, I do need a cholesterol checkup. Maybe I'll come back to these guys, you know, that kind of thing. So um, but in terms of the, specifically with flu, we have not, you know, decided to, to participate in, in the flu shot, um, you know, effort simply because there's just a lot of places that you can get a flu shot. So, yeah. you know, it just becomes, you know, not something that doesn't feel necessary for us to get involved in. Yeah. So it could also possibly murky that the image you're trying to paint for people who you're not working with. Where it's like we do the testing, we do we take the blood, we take whatever it is we're taking out of you, yeah, and we test it. We're not yeah. giving you anything, so right. it, I could see people possibly getting confused with that in the future too. True. Like, oh, and, just and for that reason, for that reason, we've been very intentional about the services that we offer. So you mentioned, you know, taking your sample as opposed to putting something in your body. We do have the capability to do IV um, injections. Um, which are becoming really, really popular to get a B12 shot or, or whatever the case might be. Yeah, We've elected just to kind of leave that alone for now because, um, you know, with 1,500 square feet that is dedicated to certain purposes, I don't want to take one of those, you know, those patient rooms um, and repurpose it to where now I've got some lounge chairs to make it really comfortable, you know, while people are getting their IV shots. I, I just don't want to turn us into something that we're not. Um, even yeah. though we have that capability, which is kind of the beauty of being in a franchise like this one. Um, when people hear the term franchise, they, they immediately think of like a quick serve restaurant, right? A, a McDonald's or Burger King or what have you, where let's, let's just use the McDonald's example. If you order a number one uh, meal, whether you're in Chicago, Atlanta, New York, what are you going to get? Primarily, it's going to be a, a Big Mac meal, right? It's mm -hmm. the same everywhere you go. The menu does not really change, you know, from one location to another, that's to another. And that's what makes them successful. With us, our menu can be very different depending on the location that you're visiting. So we have a franchise owner in the northern part of Georgia, um, in the Gainesville area, where he's been, you know, a franchise owner for probably seven or eight years. And his niche is on the toxicology side. You know, he he partners with all of the chicken processing plants that are in that area. Oh, interesting. You know, so that's what he does. So 
but he's not, he doesn't have a large part of his business that's dedicated to the clinical side. Myself, I feel like we're always going to either have an even split of toxicology and clinical, or we might be more leaning towards clinical just based on where we are and in, in the, in, you know, in the county, you know, we're, we sit more where people are, residents are, as opposed to businesses, um, even though we can touch, you know, businesses, you know, very easily as well. But I just, you know, I think from a, from a margin, just from, in terms of how we do business and who we want to be, it'll be more clinical than toxicology, but there'll definitely be an even split, you know, at some point from a, from a revenue perspective. So, so yeah, from a franchise perspective, it's nice to have that kind of freedom to kind of find what your niche is and focus on that. Do you often speak with the other franchise owners at all? Like, do you guys go back and forth and like share ideas and say, Hey, yeah, I've seen this with that or. We do. We do. So, um, we have a good support group within the corporate office, you know, the franchise group itself. Um, but you know, for me, it's an and, right? It's not like, you know, some owners might say I get more support from the corporate office than I do other owners or vice versa. But for me, I get it from both. I, I enjoy yeah. working with folks at corporate, but I also get a lot from my peers because they're sitting in my shoes. They know exactly what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with and where, where the opportunities are. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so when, when, I'm, when I'm sitting at my desk thinking, I really want to get after the ophthalmologist market for our serum tears service. I'm going to call an owner that that is doing really well in their space. So he might be in Pennsylvania, he may be in Florida, whatever the case might be. But by talking to the folks at corporate to let them know what I'm trying to do, they will say, well, you should talk to Jimmy or you should talk to Mary. They're doing great in this space and they'll probably have some great tips for you. And they they usually are very, very, you know, gracious with their time. Yeah. Um, so I'll reach out to them and we'll have a quick 30 minute conversation and I will learn three or four things in that short period of time that I want to implement, you know, so, so we, we do, we share a lot of ideas um, here in the Georgia market. It's pretty interesting because I am, I'm basically the second owner um, to come into the, the franchise group um, in Georgia and there's now six. So the six of us have been able to partner on different things. So think about, and, and you can appreciate this, like an exhibitor, like a conference, right? You know, and, yeah. and wanting to be in a, you know, uh, purchase space to be an exhibitor, you know, during their, their conference. Um, there was a pretty large conference last year. I think it was, no, actually it was this year, Jul uh, July. And um, the cost of the booth was $3,000. Was that the and Great Expo was, one? The one that? No, this was um, the NHR conference okay. um so society for hr management atlanta chapter um so i knew that it was gonna be really worthwhile but three thousand dollars for a new business owner is is a pretty nice chunk of change you know um so so for me i was like you know what let me find out if the other georgia-based owners would like to partner and go in on this together um, which would significantly reduce our costs you know not just the cost of the booth but the swag that you have to purchase and you know, cups and pens and banners and things of that nature. So $3,000 turned into 4,500, for example, right? So splitting that cost six ways was hugely beneficial. And I think it also kind of opened the eyes of some of the other owners who, who weren't really targeting HR people to kind of sell that part of the business, um, to let them know these are decision makers. You know, in, in some cases, 
folks think of HR folks as they're not going to make these decisions. You really need to talk to the general manager, et cetera, et cetera. But in this space, drug testing, safety, a lot of that you know falls in an HR person's budget. So, so it really kind of opened their eyes to that. And like I said, it allowed us to kind of work together for, for a greater good, because at the end of the day, I don't care if somebody, you know, if we meet somebody at that conference who's not in my territory, if it helps that owner, it helps all of us. Yeah. So. And I'm sure now you're, if you're the second one and now there's six, I'm sure you kind of, they probably look up to you a little bit as like one of the leaders. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is, there is, um, maybe just the teammate in me, you know, kind of puts myself in that category. Like, you know, when new, when I find out that there's a new owner in the area, I may reach out just to say, Hey, if you need anything, just, you know, give me a call. I, I don't know what they may need help with. Um, yeah. But we now have a plan, I think, starting in January to have regular phone calls, just the six of us, you know, there's already a call set up for owners in the Southeast part of um, the country, newer owners in the Southeast part of the mm-hmm. country. So a lot of folks in Florida, Alabama, et cetera, um, that we get on the phone probably once a month. But I think specific to Georgia, there's there's a lot to be gained for us from us kind of having regular cadence of meetings and just kind of sharing ideas. Yeah. No, and especially like if you just opened up and you're like, hey, I know that this is a rough roadmap that seems to work with most people. You got to do ABC. The next person, instead of having them take a year and a half, whatever it is, starts doing that. Then they don't have to spend all that time. They can just yeah. start from there. They'll make That's their exactly own issues, right. like mistakes along the way. Yeah. But at least it puts them that much further ahead. And then if all of Arc Point Labs does well in Georgia, that's only going to come back and help you in the long run too. It's it's the rising tide kind of theory, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I, I, I can't. I don't know. I've never really thought like this. So it's always kind of interesting when, when I hear somebody talk differently. But for me, I know that if I help you, eventually it's going to help me too. Right. And especially in the Georgia market, you know, we have locations in Buckhead, Roswell, uh, Douglasville, wow. uh, Barnesville, and then myself in Duluth. And inevitably what happens is let's say, let's say uh, it's a doctor's office and they have two or three different locations, especially like eye doctors. Not all of those locations are going to be in my territory. So we've decided, you know, for this particular service that we're going to have Atlanta-based pricing so that that eye doctor doesn't have to decide to send their patient to Roswell because they're cheaper than my location. That it kind of removes that, that confusion. Um, but that, that requires us to have a conversation or an email exchange to say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Are you guys in agreement? If so, then let's change our pricing for that particular service to reflect that that is one price that we're going to do for all of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's a very targeted approach. We don't have to do that with everything, of course. Um, but it does allow for us to partner and, and kind of share things and, and kind of not have to reinvent the wheel, you know, because there are some people that would say, no, I had to figure it out. Now you, now you go figure it out. Uh, it's tough but, to battle that yeah. competitive nature almost where you think, oh, yeah. just because they're getting something that's taking away from me. Yeah. It's, there's there's enough out here for everybody in, in my mind. I know. sometimes dip into that at times and I have to yeah. remind myself, like it's one of those exercises you have to do. Mm-hmm. You do it enough times. Where I with the franchise I'm in with like height, mm-hmm. I would not have been able to get to where I was without having someone say, This is the rough guidelines. 
do this to start yeah. and you're going to be further along than I was in it. Heck, mm -hmm. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. It all comes back around. Um, but we're running out of time here. I really appreciated all the time you gave, Monty. I thought it was really good conversation. If anyone yeah. wanted to reach out to you, how should they find you? How can they reach out to you and speak with you? Yeah, absolutely. So on LinkedIn, um, that's a great place for, you know, to catch me. Um, so I have my personal page, Monty McDowell, uh, but I also have my business page as well, which is ArcPoint Labs of Atlanta Northeast. We all are on Instagram, Facebook, um, and now TikTok and YouTube. So please be sure to, to subscribe. <laughs> I'll make sure to put all the links in that okay. in, the, in the notes as well. But thank good. you so much for your time, Monty. I'll well, see thank you, you for inviting me as well, Andrew. I, I appreciate the conversation. This was fun. Thank you. But I'll all be right. sure to, and I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.